Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Do we want to talk uh, about this um, destiny? Is it? Nah. Ooh. I don't know anything ooh about this kid. Ooh doggy. <laughs> That's what I'm going with. Ooh doggy. That's what I thought. Ooh doggy. Ooh, doggy. <laughs> going with. He got we that wanna, dog in him. Do we want to ignore? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Is that a Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. It is episode 75. It is Tottenham Hotspur 4, Southampton 1, an opening day win, the biggest opening day win in the Premier League area for Spurs, and we are here to talk about it. We've got the Todd Father alongside at TC underscore Kasho. TC, what's up, mate? Any day, folks, any day that uh, you're top of the league is uh, is a good fucking day. Any day that the Tottenham Hotspur scores four goals and none of them came off the boot of Harry Kane or Young Min's son is a good fucking day all the way around. We cannot complain. An opening day win, top of the league, looking sharp. Ryan Sessegnon finding the back of the net. Goodness. Scott is also with us. He is at DSM Spurs. Scotty, what's going on, mate? Yo, not much. I watched today. That was a good start to the season. In a polo shirt. <laughs> I did. He knew. I wore a fucking polo. <laughs> he knew the no, game I'm was happening. Uh, I did. He did not, I did, however. Actually. You did not, however, know that Ryan Sessegnon's purported second goal was waved off or offside for like, what, half an hour? Ten minutes, probably. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was convinced we were winning three to one for a while. It's fine. We ended up winning by more than that, but I'm going to blame it on the raffle and all these other fucking things I was doing today. I had to be co-chair today. You were Seattle a busy Spurs. man. I'm just kidding. If you hear this, you probably all will. So I love you guys. It was I was happy to do it, but, and I love the polos. They're good. We're good. All good. All good. All good. But we know you'd much rather be in a tank today. top. So that's all. I'd rather be in my fucking digital Spurs. What's up, man? My digital Spurs shirt. Let's go. My Big shout to digital here. Spurs. Yeah, maybe, maybe a little digital Spurs, Seattle Spurs scarf collab coming. So keep hey your now. eyes peeled. But. Hey now. Keep eyes peeled. Caroline is also with us at CG Stefco. Kaz, how are you? Doing really well. The vibes are immaculate today, I have to say. Uh, you really couldn't ask for a better opening day of the season. And just looks like positive things ahead, you know, dreaming big. Dare I say they are legendary like yourself. Uh, we've also got the prodigal son. He has returned at Dakota J Booth on the socials. Dakota, what's That's going good. on, man? I am loving life. and But I do have a little bit of a bone to pick here. Todd, you said there's nothing to complain about. Caroline, you said it's a perfect day. It was almost a perfect day. We could have been wearing our away kit. 
We, <laughs> okay, we probably, get him off the pod. We, get him out of we, here. Can you mute this man's mic? Can you mute this mic? Dude, Scott, good Scott, God. Ryan Sessignon's goal would have counted if he was wearing that away kit. We Why? would have scored five. I'm glad Why would we be wearing the away kit at home? For the you know vibes, what? man. For the vibes. I'm glad you what, brought this up. They're going scuba diving worried. after the match, or like, what are we doing? It's a weird kid. And you haven't been on the pod in a long time for us to have this conversation. So <laughs> you brought it up, but what the fuck? You know what? And I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you were part of some like fan trial they did to test the, the feedback on those kids, and you're the reason that we have those kids. So I've got a I've got a Google Drive for nothing that kid is positive fine. views. <laughs> I uh, I have nothing else to add to this kit conversation. I'm gonna wait for that, so thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, guys, let's dive in. Uh game number one in the books. It's a victory. Let's start by looking at the lineup because interestingly enough, no new signings made the starting eleven in, in Antonio Conte's first match of the season. Uh, we had the back three of Romero, Dyer, and Ben Davis returning to action after missing some of preseason with a knock. Emerson Royale out on the right, Ryan Sessignon out on the left. It was not Ivan Perisic, as, as many believed it might be, many including myself. Uh, Bentecourt and Hoybier in the midfield, and then that that lethal front three of Kulisevsky, Kane, and Son. Uh, Todd, I, I, obviously no arguments to be made, but any surprises for you in this lineup? I was surprised Perisic didn't start over why? Because I don't coach this team, Antonio Conte does, and um, that man uh, forgets more football on the john every morning than I'll ever know. So uh, I just sit back and appreciate his brilliance, and Ryan Sessignon found the back twice, regardless of whether or not one of them counted. Well, he was definitely not signing other, the second one, but that's okay. 100%. I'm not lying about it, but it was beautiful movement. It was beautiful motion, and the uh, we'll come on a decade later, but the, the goal that Sessignon scored was incredible. So, you know, he obviously accounted for his place in the lineup, and I think that um, Parasage being there is only going to to bring out the best in Ryan Sessignon, so that's pretty darn exciting. Like the Fighting Cock, uh, no free ads. The Fighting Cock posted something on their Twitter during the match that said, "Imagine being up four one and bringing on Parasage," and I was like, yeah. "Holy fucking shit, that's Tottenham Hotspur." Anyway, and and, and we'll come on to subs. in the middle on the lineup. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll we'll come on to subs, but obviously not only bringing on Parasage, but then later in the match bringing on four other players because we get five subs now. Uh, absolutely just an incredible quad <laughs> sub used by Antonio Conte. Uh, Scotty, y- you you didn't seem too surprised by this lineup, right? I mean, this seemed like right about what you were in line with, with no even with no new signings in the 11, right? Yeah, I just missed Doherty for Emerson. That was that was the one I had off. Um, and, and I thought Davies might not make the 11 due to fitness and so i was just kind of curious right I, I was like oh is it sanchez probably i don't know um but uh but yeah no it, it was just it was just already for for emerson that i missed but i think it's great i mean if you look at what we did last year we came back from a un, very unfavorable position to get top four we went on a run sesignan and emerson were both a big part of that and i didn't you know i don't really see any reason to change what was working so that's fair uh, enough, man. We were the third best team in the league since Conte got there. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, well, and I think, you know, we've talked about Sessignon and let's get the obligatory, he has to be fit 
bit out of the way that we get into every love episode, it. right? But Steals let's get that spell. out of the way. Because he's, it, Andrew's correct when he says that, you know. And it, uh, um, but the fucking kid's good. I mean, he was championship team of the year, right? We love to we love to hype Spence up for that reason. Um, Sessegnon was in the same position, scored a lot of goals at Fulham um, as a wing, primarily. So I'm not surprised, and I think he Conte even said somebody just needed to get this guy's confidence going. He's fantastic. So I think Sessegnon. Um, are we ready for a hot take yet, or is it too early? Uh, before you get, hold on, no. Before Never you get to hot, before you get to hot take, I wanna, I wanna hone in on Sessegnon for a second because you brought up the obviously the the line I always throw out there: ability is his best av- availability is his best ability. I screwed up my own line. Um, the other thing I want to see a little more out of Sessegnon, though, I'm I'm noticing this, and obviously one game, you can't overreact, but he can't take the yellow in that spot the way that he did. That was a bad challenge. And okay. we've seen a little bit of that in his game in the past, Caroline, what, you know, like, I, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying I'm just saying that's where I'm going to go with that. Cause everything else was great, but there's a little bit of that t- to him too. Right. Yeah, a little bit. And I, I think it was Basuma also had kind of a silly yellow uh, when he subbed on later. So I think just, you know, we don't, we don't want to be getting into a, an early situation where discipline is a problem. But overall, I thought Sessegnon and Emerson both did really well today. I did not have them in my predicted 11 because I thought that Davis was more of an injury concern than Perisic or Doherty. You know, I thought both of them were going to be starting. But I don't, you know, I don't think we missed them. And I'm not upset about Perisic and Doherty perhaps uh, having a little more rest before Chelsea next weekend. Scotty, what was your take on 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 that though? Sessegnon, I mean, I mean, Caroline, you br- you bring up the Basuma one. I thought that that was a little bit fifty more fifty fifty and a little bit of a, a hard luck one on him. But the Sessegnon one for me, uh, you just you can't make that mistake, especially right after you've scored and given this club a real boost. I don't know, man. I mean, I think I think we're going to see more of that under Conte, and I think we're building a team of guys who who are willing to push the limits a little bit. I mean, if you look up and down, Marlov and Hoyer, Romero, yeah, perfect timing for somebody to be zooming their motorcycle outside. Sorry if you guys can hear that, but appreciate you. Um, no, I, I lost my train of thought, but uh, if you, sorry, if you look up and down our 11, we're full of guys who are willing to put in aggressive, hard tackles. And I just think we're going to see more of that. Conte likes it, I think, but um Sessegnon, I think, will definitely have to continue to mature and, and you know, have to walk a fine line. I think I trust Hoybier to know when to put a hard tackle and maybe a little bit more than Sessegnon if, if we want to make that point toward yours, right? But I, I, I'm not too bothered by it. Um, and I and, let, and now I get my hot taken before you pass it off. But No, go ahead. I, really, your hot I mean it. I think Sessegnon is going to be in the team of the season um, for the Premier League. That's my super hot take. But I'm, but that's, I really, that's hot. That's scalding. It is hot, but I, but just remember that I said it. Okay. All right. Scott Chadamas right here on the podcast, Ryan Sessi on team of the season. Um, Andrew, can we talk about Decky yet? Yeah. Let's I'm, throw it over to Dakota because he has nothing to say. Dakota. And then, yeah. oh, and then, and then, and then, like, like, come on. This guy, <laughs> give me, give me your, your take on Decky. Before, before I give you that, I am going to, I know you guys have already mentioned it, but I'm going to make a point right now 
to bring it up and make sure that everyone who's listening can hear this. Emerson Royale played incredibly today. Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He played yeah. incredibly fucking today. awesome. And I, I have, I feel like I've been alone in a corner trying to defend this guy since we signed him because he was my guy from the beginning. And hopefully he's now kind of turned a corner where he looked a lot more comfortable on the ball. He looked like he knew where he was going. He was in some good spaces. So, you know, who was he crossing to for the own goal? I, I don't know, but the ball went in the net, so I'm not going to complain about it yeah. too much. But exactly. Emerson played today the way that I think Antonio Conte wants him to play week in, week out, and it's it was a good day for Emerson Royale's stock. You, you beat me to the point on on the cross, and and there are still there are still moments where he gets the ball out on that wing, and you're like, what's he going to do with it? Is he going to be able to cross it? Is he going to try to dribble past the guy? Like, there's still a lot of like wheels turning there that you can watch and and try to figure out is he going to make the right decision and it doesn't seem that he always does but at the same time and i said this at one point last season i think it was in a game against liverpool if they're going to give him the space out there with the ball take it all day because eventually he's going to figure out what the hell to do with it and they're going to have to clamp down on him and it's going to open up more space in the middle so i i totally agree with you i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna argue real real so yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna argue real quick that if Hoybier is crashing the box the way he needs to, his foot finds the end of that cross instead of you know a, an own goal. Why sure. are you gonna throw stones, my man? No, 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 no. Epic game. Look at you, no, just, he... just just catching strays from Denmark. It's wild. <laughs> it was his birthday yesterday. You don't gotta drag my man like that. He had an incredible game, and he could have added a goal to it if he uh, if he just wow. pushed for it a little bit more. Wow. Anyway, let's talk about Dan Kulisevsky. Because the man is not going to have a sophomore slump. He might nope. even take his game up another 100%. notch if that's possible. Looked incredible today. Everything ran through him and not Harry Kane and not Hyungman son. It was 22-year-old Dan Kulisevsky with the keys to Conte's car. And it looked like a Mercedes today. No, no. It looked like an Audi today. Mm. Are you guys ready for the stat? Are you guys Did ready it. for the stat? Dan now with 15, 15 goal involvements in the Premier League in the year in the calendar 2022. Three yeah. players have more. Kevin De Bruyne has 17. Harry Kane has 21. Youngman Son has 21. Youngman Son. There hey. it is. Spurs have three of the top four guys in goal involvements uh-huh. in the calendar year. That's insane. Dan Kulisevsky's first goal at the lane today. Yeah. And he was and he celebrated juiced like about it, too. It. Yeah. Juiced about it. Absolutely. And it was a banger too. It was, it was a decky special. Yeah, it was, it was man. And I said this as, as I was at the pub today, shout out to the harp, shout out to San Diego Spurs. We saw our guy, Ben and, and Allison and everybody. My guy, Jace was out there. It was uh it was an awesome time. Uh, check out the pictures online. It was, it was a huge turnout, but I turned to Ben and I said, despite, you know, with, with the exception of Harry Kane, <laughs> decky has the, has, the best touch on the pitch for Spurs. He can do the most with the ball. And it was ridiculous. And right after that, the guy, the defender played him like he was going to push it onto his left foot. And he went right foot into the box and took a guy and squared it middle. Like it was, it was such a performance by Decky easily man of the match. And that cross to Sassignan, Andrew, you can't say enough about it. That's, that's Conte's system to a T. No, I, I thought that Conte's system obviously today was 
everything. I mean, you look at the way that this team play and and this this goes to and this speaks to having players in early in a window, having a preseason with them and being and granted, we already talked about the fact that no new signings were in the 11. But still, it speaks to having an Antonio Conte preseason. It speaks to having everyone on the same page. And it speaks to everyone just working together. And even after going down early, and I do want to talk about James Ward-Prowse for a moment because, my God, that dude always seems to just grab a crowbar and smack us upside the head with it. Um, and what a talent that guy is. And boy, do I wish more of the rumors that link him to Spurs were true because it would be nice to have a guy like that taking set pieces and swinging crosses in. But even after falling down 1-0, I don't think anyone, whether you go to the bird app or our group chat, I don't think anyone was really that concerned because we could see there was a, there was a plan. There was a plan there. Everything was happening just fine. Crosses were being whipped in solid defense was being played. And honestly, that's just what you want. You want that calmness after you fall one nil down, you know, within the opening 20 minutes or so to just say, we're good. We got this. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I was, I was even being a hater and called it a miss hit uh shot that happened to find the back of the net which there's only one person on the planet who knows whether or not it was and he ain't gonna tell us He's that is some hate that's some hate nasty <laughs> look at you just just throwing shade you know what ladies and gentlemen this is what happens when you spend summer in tennessee it gets to you <laughs> may it's hot out here man you ain't got no choice but to hate sometimes <laughs> hey but i wasn't no I, I kind of agree i think goal. it yeah, I, I agree with Dakota. The way that that shot ricocheted off the ground uh, was a little lucky for James Ward-Prowse, and there was nothing Hugo could do about that shot. So yeah. I don't want to hear any slander against our captain. Um, <laughs> let's not start that early this season. <laughs> no, hey, and he, honestly, he showed Hugo up had the type. Too. Yeah, Hugo had the type yeah. of game that a Conte goalkeeper needs to have, which is you make about two stops a game. If, if, if you play Conte's system the way that Conte needs you to play the system, your, your keeper's going to need to make about two stops a game, and that's where he got to. You know, it's really interesting. I, I happened to uh, dive in a little bit before the game and turn on Spurs play, and they were doing a little bit of a pregame show, and they were talking about that exact thing. The fact that Hugo Lloris is going to look better this year because of the, the defense that's put in front of him. And that's exactly what happened today. Honestly, you know, he, he had to make that one stop late with his arm diving out to the left. But other than that, there were not a ton of real backbreaking moments for him in goal because the defense was so solid in front of him. And that's hopefully going to be the case for a lot of games this season. So I it, agree with that, Dakota. Yeah. If you, if you've watched Spurs the last two years, there is a, there is a one single type of goal that we give up probably 12 to 15 times in a season. And it's where a ball gets fizzed across the six yard box and the two center backs who could stop it, just watch it go right by them. And the third one is nowhere to be found. And that wasn't ever close to happening today because everyone was right there in line where they were supposed to be. And it didn't even get to the third center back most of the time because the first or the second center back jumped in and cleared the ball before it even became a problem. And if that's the type of defense that this team is going to play this year, it's going to take miss hit lucky bounce shots to score goals against us. I would, uh, would also like to point out the fact that our back three escaped that match without any yellows. Some somehow and Romero did somehow. 
Yeah, that that's because he was going for the ball. It was perfectly fun. I don't know. But speaking of the center backs, I also want to commend them for their offensive efforts today. Because um, I think we've seen today this Conte system, we are so much more fluid in attack because everybody is involved. And Eric Dyer's goal was one of the nicest headers I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's it's just incredible. He's He's playing like a striker up there. And if Gareth Southgate does not call him up to the England squad for the World Cup, it's going to be a travesty. Well, shots are set these coats. First goal in more than three years for Eric Dyer. Well, I'm saying, like, this is part of this guy's – like, if you wait – if you watch the way that that set piece played out, this is what this guy was brought in to do is that they – previously, in, in previous seasons, that ball goes in and gets cleared by, by midfield of the other team and gets rotated out. Instead, we were in the proper position to send that ball back in. Everybody held their spot in the box, and Dyer was available for Sonny's cross for the header. It was perfectly coached and fantastic finish from Dyer. Yeah, we saw this at least once at the end of last season, too, where Sonny was there to collect the rebounded ball, sent it back in, and we scored off of a header. So it's definitely intentional. Yeah, and it, all of that was possible because the keeper fumbled the fumbled the the shot. It came out of his hands and it went out. And as soon as it went out and we got this extra opportunity, I just had a feeling. I knew that we were going to jump onto it. And Caroline, a note about how nice that header was. My father-in-law was watching this game with me and he had knee surgery yesterday and he jumped up off of the couch to celebrate with me because of how nice this header was. And I was celebrating too. And I almost jumped up into his arms and then I was like, ah, no, I don't want to break you. Sit back down. We'll continue watching this because it's going to happen more. I yeah, love we, that. <laughs> we can't have that. No, the, the the Dyer header was brilliant. Like I said, first first goal in over three years for Eric Dyer. Shout out to to Wendy from the Extra Inch because he said earlier this week on the pod on on their podcast uh, that I think he I think he said four or five goals for Eric Dyer this year uh, because of the set piece coach. And like, what a what a prediction. Um, obviously, he needs a few more to hit that mark. But like, yeah, that's some foresight. And and, and I do think there's something to be said for a set piece coach coming in, those are the kinds of goals you get with a little bit more uh, attention to detail in those moments. And honestly, it's the kind of thing that's also going to help on the defensive end, hopefully, when you talk about defending set pieces, which is something that Spurs have had real problems with in the last handful of seasons. So hopefully in, in both ends of the pitch, you know, the the acquisition of a set piece coach is uh, is something that can be just like another new signing. Um, I think we'd also be remiss if we didn't mention the fourth goal scorer in this game, own goal, who had a really good season last year. And it's right back on track this season to to be right, you know, uh, uh, like near the top of the, the, the goal scorers list for Spurs. It's 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 beautiful to see that he had a great preseason and is is right back, you know, kicking on for us. Andrew loves this joke, but I want to say right here, it can't be, and I said it in the open, but it can't be said enough, the fact that we scored four goals today, the biggest opening win in, in Premier League history for Spurs on, on an opening day, I mean. And uh, none of them were scored by Harry Kane and Youngman's son. So, yeah, good shout to OG. That guy always, you know, he's going to pop up and get his throughout the season. Um, but I feel like uh, we're not just a Harry Kane and Youngman's son team this year, and I'm excited to see that. No, I mean, shots to Salisu. That was um... – I, I don't know how he did that, but he did it, and good for him. I mean, it was it was it was wild for me. <laughs> I I appreciate him uh, giving Emerson Royale a second assist on the 
on the sheet today. Hey. It's just going to make those numbers look better at the end of the year. And nobody, hey. nobody's going to be like, oh, he had, he had 10 assists, but that yep. one, that one was an own goal. Nope. 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 Double digits. They all Looks count. like a screaming through ball in the stat line at the end of the year. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it more than anything else to assist. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm amped for this Emerson comp that's going to come out with that bicycle hey. kick. Oh, Ooh. my days. The ball was in the air. He was like, this is going and this, this is, is my time to shine. <laughs> I, I do want to hammer down on a point you just made a second ago, Todd, though. Um, the fact that four goals were scored in this game by Spurs and none of them came off the boot of, of Youngman's son or Harry Kane. I think that's something to pause on and, and recognize. And it's obviously not the first or last time that, that it's going to happen this season, but it is notable to me because over the last handful of seasons, Spurs have really come to rely on both of those guys for a lot of their scoring output. And if they can put up four in a game, granted against what we think will probably be a much lesser opposition this season, if they can put up four in a game without either of those guys really contributing. And I know Sonny had the assist and I thought Sonny played a decent game, but I don't think he looked like, you know, top peak level human son. I thought Kane for his effort was kind of somewhat neutralized. I'm not saying he had a bad game, but I thought Southampton just did a good job of swallowing him up in the middle and, and allowing more exposure on the wings. Um, I think there's something to be said for, this team building something that a system under Antonio Conte that can produce goals, even when those guys are not absolutely at the top of their game and just flying high with that connection that they, that we've all grown so accustomed to over the last few years. You're absolutely right, Andrew. And, and I think really what it boils down to is that in the past few seasons, like the past three seasons, you could say, Kane's been dropping deeper and in, and we've been running our offense through Kane and being able to outlet the ball. Okay, And when we've been neutralized, it's because people have, you know, teams have done a very good job of shutting Kane down in the middle. And then it's forced out to the wings. And then essentially you're going to give that ball to Lucas and Lucas is going to do fucking Lucas things. And then we lose one nil. Right. But now what's happening is they're shutting down Kane in the middle and they're putting the ball out to Decky and he's fucking bossing fools. I swear he was wearing Jordan today. Like shit was ridiculous watching Decky. It was silly. So and when you're able to do that, Andrew, it opens up the rest of the Conte offense. Because now what's going to happen over time is Kane's going to be able to rotate back into the box for the box for those fish where previously he's not been able to get there. I think that the midfield also deserves some credit for today. Uh, Hoybier and Benton Kurt, they really did a great job of stretching Southampton's defense and making sure that, you know, players like Sess, Kulusevsky, Royale, they had that space to run into. So I, I just felt like we were in control the whole game, which is a very refreshing thing. <laughs> Scotty, this is something that you brought up kind of when we hired Antonio Conte is that the wingbacks and the wings are going to be a big focus and it's, it's even going to be less central. It's going to be crosses and, and overlaps and those kinds of things. And I feel like that's something that we really saw today. And when you get performances like, you know, Emerson Royale and, and Ryan Sessignon today, you don't need Harry Kane to bang in all the goals and you don't, you certainly don't need them to drop deep and, and feed it out to them because, you know, you already have those outlets, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, like you guys have already said it, but this is just a result of a Conte system today. Everybody played really well. It's interesting, like, he's, his system is so fluid, but it's also, like, very structured in a way, if that makes any sense. Like, 
you're you're not going to see like the fluidity of like a Man City team when we're talking about a fluid system under Conte, right? It is very structured and it's very like very centered around positional soundness. I'm a little tired, but I'm sure you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, it's it you know today just like like Todd already got to without Kane or Son needing to be involved in in the final product. Obviously, Son's ball to die was phenomenal, but. Um, you know, neither of them scored goals, and that just says that the team's playing really well and the system's working. And I'll jump on the Emerson bandwagon, or not bandwagon at all. Emerson, Emerson just chorus too here. He played fucking really well. Emerson, I think it's easy to forget. <coughs> Excuse me, it's a huge part of why we're in the Champions League. I mean, Doherty went down, I think, with seven or eight games left or something. Not only did Emerson play well, but he played all eight of those games as a wingback. That's fucking hard, man. Like, that's a lot of fucking running and a lot of recovery that you don't have time for. And, yeah, so he's a workhorse, and he's bought into what we're doing. Um, and the thing about Emerson is he's always in position. Like, I don't – whatever. Like, he might fluff an opportunity or something and not put the perfect pass, but he's always in position, and I'll take that over anybody else, um, you know, when it comes to what we're trying to do. So, yeah. The wingbacks play phenomenally, but it's just the Conte system, like you said. And I think you, you know, part of why I am so comfortable giving a hot take to like Sessegnon for team of the season is if you look at everywhere Conte's gone, he's turned pretty good footballers into really what I would argue as like world-class wingbacks everywhere he goes. It just happens over and over again, right? Juan Cuadrado is just like super average and all of a sudden, Everybody wanted that guy. He was like the he was like the the, the puzzle piece wing back that everybody molded this off of. Like when, once Conte started doing this, right? So um, and before that, he really didn't have a place. So I just think you you see exactly why Conte is so talented, uh, and it's just because the system's working and everybody's doing their job really well with him. That's yeah, no, I think that's spot on. And, you know, like you said, to, to be able to play wing back for, for those games, that that's that it's not really something I had thought about. But for Emerson to be able to play wing back for, for those final, you know, that final stretch of the season last year, you're right. And it's luckily something that we know that he, we're not going to have to rely on him to do with with the depth that this team has uh, this season. Um, and that's what I really like. And that's kind of where I wanted to go next with these subs, because as I mentioned earlier, the Sessignon yellow card was kind of like the only part of this that I was a little bit down on him for. Um, and he gets taken off after 66 minutes, which I was totally cool with. I actually would have done it a little earlier, but Perisic comes on. And then uh, about with about five to six minutes left, uh, we get the, the quad subs. Uh, Lucas comes on for uh, Kulisewski, Lele on for Davis, Basuma for Bentoncourt, and Matt Doherty comes on for Emerson. Um, the, the one I'm going to harp on, as you guys all know, Lucas Mora comes on before Brian Heal. I feel like uh, this is going to be the new Lucas Mora's on before Steven Bergvine for this season. But I will say, if ever there's a time to bring on Lucas Mora onto the pitch, it's when you're up 4-1 with five minutes to go so he can run around and fuck shit up. And that's what I like. Yeah, plus I don't like Brian on the right as much, personally. It's, it's not my favorite thing for that as well I think and to be honest fair. with you I, I did when I saw Lucas get off the off the bench I wasn't sure whether it was going to be for uh for Kulisevsky or whether it was going to be for uh for uh to play right wing back I, I didn't know if he was going to come on for Emerson oh 
Because, I mean, Conte's done that all preseason. So, it's you know, you're looking at it going, I mean, Lucas has a place in his team for a variety of reasons. And so I'm not surprised to see him. And he can do some Lucas Moore shit. So you're come on, Dude. eat some minutes. Well, but one thing about this, too, if we're, if, like, if we're talking, you know, Lucas versus a heel or, or something like that, I think heel had one very specific reason he was on the bench today, and that's because Richarlison was suspended. So I would I would assume that's not really even a, a, a conversation we're having going forward, right? I don't think Brian Hill's going to be part of the setup. So I would expect maybe us to be talking about Richarlison or Lucas, and I think we know who's coming on in that situation, right? Um, Lucas. All, all jokes no, aside, no, we're up. No, no, hold on. How dare you? <laughs> don't you put that out in the air. <laughs> but if we're winning, I'm totally bringing on Lucas over with Charleston. Like, why wouldn't you, right? Lucas is going to shut teams down. He's a fucking workhorse. So, um, yeah, anyways, I, it, you know, Lucas is going to keep playing, and that's why he's still at Spurs, and that's why he just signed a new contract. Um, you don't you don't sign a guy to a new contract to just, like, have him go fuck around with the U23s, right? He's going to be he's going to be involved, and I don't think that's going to be heavily, but he's going to be involved for sure. Uh, did you guys want to just take a peek around the league now and realize that uh, after one week, well, after one week with a few games left, Spurs are now uh, top of the table because they've got the three goal differential. Everybody, everybody uh, on the other part of North London was uh, was was looking happy after Friday, but um, you know they can they can go back to the drawing board. I'm sure Mikel Arteta will have a nice little cartoon to draw them, uh, which will be fun. Um, and and he'll pump in some music during during practice and uh, in tiny little all, speakers, yes. In, in in tiny little speakers, and it'll all go well. Look, um, I, I think I had those same speakers for ASB when I was in high school. <laughs> for those who don't know, if you have not watched the first three episodes of the All or Nothing documentary with Arsenal, it is high comedy, and I wasn't really going to. It get says into so. This. It's listed as comedy uh, uh, on Amazon as well. I, I want to point that out. Is it? Yes, it's listed in the comedy section. That's the first tag. Look, I, uh, I think we can take a moment here to, good. you know, this is a Tottenham Hotspur podcast. It's always going to be that. But my goodness, that is, I, I really enjoyed watching those the other night because I laughed my ass off. And there were two or three takeaways. One, and this is understandable. But our facility is so much nicer than theirs because it's newer, which I get. But it's so much nicer uh, compared to last season's All or Nothing, which plays for me more like a like a horror, uh, being how it turned out, than a comedy. But this one is a comedy to me. Um, the other the other takeaway that I had is that Mikel Arteta is such a weirdo. <laughs> like, my goodness, the the. I, I, I put some of them out on my Twitter account if you want to go see it, but the, the, some screenshots. The, the little drawings that he had, my goodness. It's um, some like Bob Ross moment happening there. Very Bob Rossy. Uh, and the other one is that the only reason, I think, that Spurs lost the first North London Derby last season is because he gave over his team talk to the team photographer who gave an awesome team talk. He, Incredible he didn't. He didn't even. He didn't even deliver the team talk before the game. He gave it to the team photographer, who delivered an incredible team talk and fired that team up, and they went out and beat us. Like, give the. T- I hope the team photographer never gets the job. One hundred percent. Well, I also then I'd be hope, afraid. 
That's like Nate on Ted Lasso, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I'll tell you what. I also hope that um, we never forget to uh, play a fucking midfield for a North London derby uh, again. Because that's what happened in that match. Thanks, Nuno. Dude, yeah. Uh, keep mean, that was just – I'm sorry, but that was just Nuno. But, <laughs> Nuno. Do you just nuno all over that game? I, yeah. I mean, one thing One thing you, do, you will notice is that we do play midfield now, and it's super effective. Um, to use a midfield. Um, no, all, all <laughs> jokes aside, I do want to just take it back to before we move on from the game. We gotta, we gotta go talk about Benteker for a second. He he was fucking phenomenal today. Um, I think it's a huge part of why we won. And Conte agrees. Conte was raving about him after the game and just you know how brave he was today. So um, it's 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 just crazy to me how he was. I think everyone was kind of under the assumption that this guy had kind of just fell short just of the peak and was never going to be quite the player that everybody thought he was, right? And he's fucking good. So, again, I've said this on this show before, but I have no idea why Juventus would ever have sold us Benteker and Kulisevsky, but I just, just am so appreciative of, the, of those those uh, you know, those two players coming to Spurs because a huge part of why we're again in the Champions League with Chris Benteker, and we talk about a lot of reasons why. But he was fucking great today. Conte has <laughs> continued to lean on him for a lot of minutes. I think there is the uh, there is that tweet from from one of these Italian accounts that is uh, really funny. It resurfaces every time that either Kulisevsky or Benteker have a good game. It came right after we signed both of them uh, in the January window. It talks about you know, how they are basically Juve rejects who we just signed for about 70 million. And uh, every time it resurfaces, it makes me giggle because like, yeah, what a good investment. Um, you're right. Both of those guys coming in has really changed the complexion. Um, I do. I mean, sorry. I like Kulisevsky is like, I don't think they like give this award, but he's like, he's signing of the, of the season for sure. Or signing yeah. of the year, whatever you want to say. Like if you look at, if you look at that window across the entire continent, I don't think there was a better signing than Kulisevsky to Tottenham. Well, and it's interesting too when you compare it to who we thought we were going to get for a moment there in Luis Diaz at Liverpool, who's also been very good. But it's like <laughs> everyone thought that we were missing out on. Can't even beat Fulham, dude. I'd rather have Kulu. I'd 100 rather I, have Kulu, but we didn't know. We didn't know. So first and foremost, Diaz plays on the left more comfortably than he plays on the right. Secondly, Kulu in his mind is a fucking ten. And we saw those quotes come out over the summer, but he's like, you know, professionally, I've had more success on the right. And the reason why is exactly what we saw today, because he thinks like a 10. He's got the touch of a 10, but then he can move it onto that left foot on the right-hand side of the box and stick it into the far coast. And if you can do that, you're going to play in the Premier League for a decade. It was awesome. Dude, the, the thing about Kulisevsky that you can't, you, you can't like gauge this at all unless you interact with the person on a day-to-day -day basis, but like – He's like a sports psychologist's dream. This dude is yeah, like facts. the most confident, <laughs> centered, level-headed athlete like I've ever like heard speak. It's crazy. Like he's so confident in his abilities, and he knows he like truly believes he's the best player on the field. But he doesn't like he's not arrogant at all, you know. So it's I don't know. He's fucking. He's really really good, and I think he has well, the he. He has a psychological profile to be a world-class soccer player. A hundred percent. And that's exactly why, uh, Scott Shodamas, this is not your take. This is my take. Kulisevsky, 25 goals and assists, all comps this year. And he makes team of the season. Team of the season. That's my thing. 
Well, I and it, I, I my hot take. It, no, I agree. Yeah, my hot take was that he's getting playmaker award, and I still feel confident about that. As, even as though today, today he was doing you know the scoring too, but well, he got an assist as well. I mean, shoot, yeah, yeah. exactly. He, and he it's can a Conte it assist. Yep. And when the wingbacks score, Conte like campaign. That's like his jam. So the fact that the Kulu was was able to to provide that just kind of goes to show like this system doesn't work the same without Bentacore and Kulusevski. Damn, we're gonna have a lot of players yeah. in team of the season at this rate. I'm telling you, <laughs> you what? know, Kane and Son are gonna be there. You know, so th- all right, so that be there. so that's four. You only you only need you know a handful more to make up the and whole. And Cootie's gonna be there. Romero's yeah. obviously making it. Duh. Honestly, when when we win the Premier League. It's not out of the question to have five or six people in the team of the season. So whatever. That's, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to hunker down on something that Scott brought up a minute ago, and that's the play of Bentecourt. But also we pair that, of course, with the play of 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 Todd's boy Hoybier, because My I thought both of them were really really good when they made the sub. When when Basuma came in for Bentecourt, Scott, you remarked that it was a like for like, and you and I went back and forth a little bit in our group chat, and and. I'm of the assumption that I think that we're going to have eventually when, when Skip gets healthy, hopefully four midfielders who can play in kind of interchangeable roles. And you, you, I think you pushed back a little bit on that and said, mm-hmm. no, I think it'll be more of this guy subbing for this guy and, and, and so forth. So I wanted to let you lay that out before uh, I push back on it. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like, like I said in the chat, I maybe didn't articulate it perfectly. I think like, obviously all four of these guys are going to have to be, interchangeable on the field like you soccer is a very imperfect sport right like without question they're gonna have to be interchangeable but what i saw today was it's 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 very obvious to me that the consistent idea is that when we are in possession of the ball in our opponent's half sorry truck outside when we're in in possession of the ball in our opponent's half Poivier is always dropping back with with dyer and whomever is in forward out of these center backs, right? And Bentaker is always going and planting himself like right in the middle of the pitch and finding ways to receive the ball and keep him moving, right? So Poivier is very much defensive in our tactical approach when we had the ball, and Bentaker is very much involved in the progression of our plays. And that's every single time we had the ball. And I think like when I'm watching the game, like a lot of what I'm doing is I love midfield. It's like kind of my thing. I'm always just kind of watching what's happening in the midfield. It's probably why I didn't know we that goal didn't get caught. Why I got called back, right? <laughs> the offsides goal. I'm dissecting these things. Obviously, I'm not. I'm in my phone. But all jokes aside, I'm watching these things, and that was 100% of the time. So then Basuma came on and did exactly what Bentaker was doing every time we had the ball, which tells me there's some consistent approach. Even at a shot. Yes, and for sure. And like, if, if, if you look at me and this, this came up because I'm seeing, and this isn't even me like talking shit or calling people out. I'm just observing that I'm seeing a ton of Basuma and Bentaker will be our midfield or like, the, know. you know, Basuma is going to usurp Hoybier very soon. And I'm like, that will probably actually never happen. He, he may play with Hoybier often. Right. Mm-hmm. But that will probably never happen because Neither of them are are suited to drop back with the center backs if we're talking Benjamin and Basuma, and, right? So yeah, that's my point. And I would I would absolutely agree with you, Scott, in the sense that when Skip comes back, he's very good 
backing shit up, recycling the ball, you know, picking off passes, the types of things that that Oivier does. Exactly. Uh, and it's so like, pairing him with Osuna puts us in a position to be truly interchangeable. Yeah, I agree. With yeah, you. yeah, and I think like if 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 you have if you have four midfielders, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem efficient to have four of them that do everything. It seems very it seems much more efficient to have two pairs of two that do very specific things and learn to do that really well and compete with one another too. And I just think that's what we're going to see with Dante. Well, see, and that's, and that's the only place where I'll really push back because if, if one of them suffers a knock, like we have with skip right now, you know, then you have no one. If, 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 if you're saying that Bettencourt and Basuma are only going to be in one lane and know how to do the, the things that they're doing, who is Hoivier's backup right now? And that's where I want the interchangeability and the positional flexibility to come into play. I want these guys to be able to do different things, especially when you're not playing specifically, you know, this is a midfield too. It's not one guy sits or two guys sit and one guy's the more creative. Everybody's got to be able to work more in sync with, with, with everything going on in the pitch. Like you said, everything's got to be kind of interchangeable and flowing uh, on the pitch. And that's why I don't want, I don't want us to know when Basuma is lining up to come into a game or whoever that he's definitely coming in for this player because I want it to be a little more flexible than that. Uh, I want well, I mean, yeah, like to change things up. And I think maybe we need to also remember that Hoybier does play in a more attacking role for Denmark. So mm-hmm. it's not like that's, you know, not something that's in his wheelhouse. And same with Skip. Like I, I personally do not see him as defensive minded as I think some people do. Um, but again, it's hard to tell because we have rarely seen him <laughs> thanks to his bad injury luck. So, well, and, and, and that's all well said. And I think that that's where I say it's, it's never, it's never a puzzle. Like is what I said in the chat, they have to be interchangeable. Like, for example, if I'm, if I'm playing, if I'm in a knockout round against Liverpool in the champions league, I'm probably playing Hoybier and skip and just hunkering the fuck down. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I, I'm comfortable. It's, it's all based on what we're trying to do, what our tactical approach is going to be. Conte is going to have us very prepared to be malleable with our tactical approach. We've got four very talented midfielders. I think more than anything, like really my point was that I was just very happy to see that when our more, when we have two, how do I say this? When, when we have a, a ball progressor on the field and a ball progressor on the bench and the ball progressor came on for the ball progressor, like I was really happy to see that, right? Because again, soccer has to be fluid, but I do want to see consistent approaches to the tactics that we're deploying. And I think like for like substitutions make sense, uh, but there has to be flexibility. No, I, th- I think you're right about that. But I-, I think if we're having, you know, like if, if there is a true, these two are playing on this side and these two are playing. It's different when you're talking about like left wing backs and right wing backs, but in a midfield, like you said, everything's got to be a little bit more interchangeable. And I think if you only have two for two, two for this spot and two for that spot, I think you need to have one more in the mix here. One more like rotational, like a rotational person who is going to be able to come in and and do do, do, do things. Yeah. Like, like Harry Winks, if Harry Winks wasn't good. If Harry Winks was good, yeah, no, or an Indombele if Indombele wasn't an Indombele, and, and that's essentially what we're crying out for right now is Indombele. Or like a Lo Celso, if he was not Lo yeah, Celso. If, if not All these guys we already have that should be able to do this. Well, but we don't. But we don't have them. And yet, 
And Sorry, yet, the Winks, dude, Winks holding on to his squad number and making Basuma wear 38 is a travesty. Anyhow, um, what what I was somebody said uh, on Twitter after that post, somebody said just politely, uh, <laughs> respectfully, Winks, leave. Uh, and I, I couldn't echo that sentiment more wholeheartedly. Yeah, for for, uh, for those who who didn't know, like everybody has to have a number. I know you know that, Todd. But for listeners, everybody has to have a number if you're still employed by the club and and a senior member of the team. These guys, they're still working on getting these guys out. But obviously, clock's ticking on that. So we'll see over the next handful of weeks whether or not that can happen. Big facts. And before we move on from this game, because I know we're about to get out of here, as we should, the only thing that I wanted to point out is the new walkout music in the stadium today. <laughs> yes. It must be said that coming out to Inner Sandman is far more Conte than Can't Smile Without You. So, <laughs> well, they they didn't come out with to Can't Smile Without You. They would come out to Duel the Fates. Well, the they, Star, no, no, so the Star was, Wars theme, right? They did that a couple of times. They okay. in the previous in the season, they played Manilow twice, and we got shit on both those games, and they fucking retired this. Even though it's a Spurs song, it's not yeah. what you come out to. Anyway, coming out to Inner Sandman is kick ass. It is forever in the history of sports been linked to fucking people up, and I feel like that's what Conte is going to do this year. I'm excited about it. I mean, exit light. I, I, I also should be mentioned. It was basically a sellout um, crowd in the stadium, and you could you could feel it watching through the TV. I have to say, yeah, the atmosphere was strong, uh, and and it was it was intense, and it was good for for an opening match. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that. We're certainly going to see an, uh, an atmosphere next week as well. Spurs make the trip to Stamford Bridge. Um, Chelsea, for for their uh, for their purposes, uh, did go up and get a one 0 win over Everton today, uh, so they are on the board with a win. Um, but they did not. I, I watched that entire match. They looked fine. Um, they, they didn't look Uninspired. great. They didn't look great <laughs> against an Everton squad, which I think is still kind of kind of dog shit um and i i don't know where, where's your guys mind at going into this one this is obviously a really really big early season match um and it's going to get a lot of hype throughout this week um it, it, it takes place next sunday we're recording this uh on saturday afternoon here in the states um so a week to go again before chelsea this is like it's so weird for me having these big big clashes this early because i feel like we don't even really have our footing and all of a sudden you get thrust into a big London Derby against a big rival. I, I, but at the same time, I kind of feel like this is the right time to play them. I'm kind of excited 100%. for it. I love this. The reason why is because this is preseason versus preseason and I'll take Conte's preseason against uh, Thomas Tuchel's any, any day of the year, especially with the turmoil that they have around that club. However, that being said, we've only won once in the league at Chelsea in the last years, twice, I think, in the last 15 when it comes to actually all competitions. There's some wild shit like that, maybe three times. Whatever it is, it's terrible. They kick the shit out of us every time we go there. It's a mental block, and it sucks. Also, the thing that you can't, you can't underscore enough is when you look at their fucking squad, it's still bang after bang, banger. It's really hard. When you look at the way that their offseason went and they bring in guys like Sterling and Koulibaly and you're like, oh, shit, they still have Havertz and, oh, wait, Mendy's their keeper. And, oh, Reese James has helped. Got Conte with E. They're good, man. Yeah, the thing is, though, for Tuchel being known as such a tactical genius, like he really is not employing 
I would say a good half of the squad to their best effect. Um, I know, especially as a Germany fan, it, it kind of kills me to see Kai Havertz being played as a striker when he's really not a striker. And yeah, I, I don't think that they, they certainly don't have the same level of squad harmony and tactical cohesion that Conte has with our Spurs team right now. So I agree that it's the best time to be facing them. However, it's always going to be difficult just being at Stanford bridge. Well, so that's, and that's I, a good I, shot. I, I would like- not feel comfortable making a prediction about this game. Like I'm going to be <laughs> nauseous going into it. So. Well, let's talk about the players that were on the bench that didn't get used, and that's disharmony in their squad when you're looking at Hakeem Ziyech, Mateo Kovacic, and, uh, well, I guess Warner was hurt, but, I mean, five subs in Kovacic and Ziyech don't see the pitch. Something's not right. Agreed. Kovacic was their player of the year when they Anyway. All right. I'll, I'll do it. We're going to fucking roll, Chelsea. We're gonna <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Oh, and I'm, I'm not even joking. We're going to fucking smash them. And this and this is why. They don't even – they don't have a plan. Like, I watched them today. They played their brand-new guy as a false nine. Like, what the fuck are you even doing? You have Timo Werner, I think. Maybe they He's don't hurt. anymore. Oh, is he? Whatever. I don't know. Just I, – I, I just – I look at their situation. Lukaku wanted out desperately. We know that, right? Like, again, their brand new guy who is like best buddies with their coach on social media is now their false nine. Like you said, Kovic this didn't play. Ziyech didn't play. You've got a guy like Pulisic who wants out. Um, Chelsea, they don't even have, I don't think they have any semblance of like what they even want to do going into this game. And Conte, is well prepared with a well-oiled machine that most definitely knows the plan and, and what's expected of them. Right. So I expect us to go in and, and when I say fucking roll them, you know, I'm not saying like a five nil thumping, but I think we go, we leave the bridge with three points and I think we play them off the park. Um, I feel good about it. It is interesting to note that like Goodison has always kind of been a, a, a bogey ground for Chelsea. And the only reason they win that match today is because, you know, uh, Chilwell gets gets shoved down in the box right before half, like in, on a on yeah. a really stupid play, and they convert on a penalty right before half uh, in a match that was really clunky and had a lot of lot of injuries and stoppage time and just you know, if if I'm a Chelsea fan right now, I've I've got to feel confident in my squad, but I can't feel confident in that performance and knowing that I've got to you know come back home and face Spurs after what they just did. Um, yeah, I, I I'm. I'm comf- I'm confident Spurs can go get a point at least at Stanford Bridge next week, which I would take, um, knowing knowing where we all are in, in terms of mindset yeah. right now. Nah, I, fuck I, it. That's not good enough. It's not good enough anymore. <laughs> we we win it for the last six seasons in a row. A point has been good enough at Stanford Bridge, and we win it with that mentality. That's not the team that we have this year. That's not the way that we play this year. Fuck that. We're going in and getting off. Yes, that's got to be the way we approach it. It has to be. We're not. Dude. We're, previously, Andrew, we have not been as good as the team waiting for us when we got to that st- when we got to Stanford Bridge. That's not the case anymore. We're a better team than Chelsea is at the moment, and we're going to show and, it next. Yes, week. thank you. And and I'll add to that. It's it. It just starts at leadership. Like we've all seen Tuchel's comments in the press. Think like we have to think about this. He what did the club just went through with a with whatever the guy's name is from Russia. You you look at that whole situation, all the uncertainty, 
Then they're bought by this dude who owns the shittiest team in the in Major League Baseball. They're terrible. Los Angeles Dodgers. Fuck them. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have some nice people in the organization and the fans are coolest people and stuff, but they piss me off. They whine a lot. Um, Joe Kelly sucks. But anyways, the Dodgers owner is now involved. And let me get it back to being serious. The Dodgers owner is involved in transfers. Like if I'm too cool, I'm like, what the fuck is even going on? Like, look at what I just went through. Now some baseball guys involved in the transfers. He does. He's just a soccer fan. Like I, I, he literally said to the press, like half my team wants to leave. What do you expect of me? We're going to thump Chelsea. And I'm not joking. Like it just starts at the top. That's why I feel so confident that we're going to go play them off the park um, without question. And Kane's going to get a couple of goals. I think he's, he's going for blood in this game. We'll, we'll leave it on this guys. What if any changes to the Spurs team would you make going into next week? None. Todd's looking very pensively. I'm also feeling pensive. (laughs) I think honestly, nothing probably. I mean, it, it worked today. We have five subs. So why not see if it works again? You know? And like the only one that I was, I agree, Kaz. And the only one that I was really thinking about was, um, I mean, at the wing bat spot, but I mean, Royale played himself into uh, earning another start next week as did Sessignon. And um, when I think back on Sessignon's performance against the, the big six teams, it was his performance at Anfield last year against Liverpool that kind of buoyed us in the, in that moment. So and, and I mean, he bodied Man City twice. I want to say, like, he had a really good season against really solid attackers. And uh, I, I think that that uh, with Perisic not being fully fit, um, I think that, that Sessignon probably gets to run against. I, I don't know that I change anything, Andrew. Fair enough. I don't think I would either. Um, like, like, like Caroline said, with five subs, it gives you a little bit more flexibility <clears throat> to just kind of go with it. And, and if you'd have to change it, you know, even, even at halftime, you can, you can make a, quite a few changes in order to, to get things back on track. So um, that would do the trick. Uh, that's going to do it for us here at the depot. Uh, be sure to leave a rating and review on your podcast app of choice uh, at Tottenham Depot on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, shout out to Dakota who got eaten by the internet bug about halfway through this recording and had to depart. He is at Dakota J booth. Uh, Todd is at TC underscore Cachot. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Caroline is at CG Stepco. And I am at A Stetka. Uh, be sure to uh, hit us up on the socials. Let us know uh, what you think about the podcast. Reach out, socialize with us on the socials. That's what they're there for. Uh, and we will be back next week following Chelsea and hopefully recording after another big win and hopefully with Spurs still at the top of the Premier League table. For Caroline, for Scott, for Todd, for Dakota, I've been your host, Andrew. This has been the Tottenham Depot Podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>